So the sanctions keep ratcheting up. More and more talk about SWIFT, right? The international online banking system. Even Switzerland today jumping into the sanction game. So it's happening. How effective will those be, though? And what can be done in terms of that area? We're going to chat now with Dr. Robert Hewish, who is an associate professor professor in international development studies at Dalhousie University. Professor, thank you for your time today. appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Shay. Great to be here. So, yeah, let's just walk through some of these sanctions. I mean, it's, it's a steady increase. It's almost every hour we see a new list of them in some way or another. Um, said to be crippling, said to be unprecedented, like nothing we've ever seen before. Um, just how strong are the sanctions that we've seen ruled out so far? Well, say the the initial few days were pretty light. Like let, we rolled the clock back to when Russia went into the Donbass area and said this is now a uh, self declared state. Uh, originally, the U.S. proposed uh, sanctions on five ships, two banks, and three people, and those three people were already under sanctions. But then, as the week rolled on, and as Vladimir Putin's rhetoric just has notched up further and further, and now talking about potential aggression against Finland and also yeah. with nuclear materials. Now, uh, his, his nuclear staff now being on alert, the sanctions have really cranked up. And they've cranked up to the point of destabilizing two of the largest financial institutions in Russia. Now, what that's going to mean is that the people in Russia are going to feel this. There's going to be massive inflation. There's going to be shortages. And that is going to put the hurt on the Russian people. And that's that's always been the idea of sanctions, is that you try to create this dissent, this uprising, by making the people themselves suffer economically. However, <clears throat> the other groups that need to be involved in this are the oligarchs, the, right. the lieutenants of, of Putin, um, to have their finances hurt. And this is where we're seeing kind of day by day the the international community getting smarter about this. Because Putin's assets are not in in the U.S., and they're not in Canada, and they're not in, in Europe. They're in places like the British Virgin Islands. They're in Malta. Like they're, they're around the world scattered. And the more these sanctions can go after this offshore capital, try to put the hurt on his lieutenants who ultimately hold his finances, then you're going to see potential coup attempts. You're going to see a lot of the top brass in Russia turning against Putin. Um, now... Is this something new? Was this is this unexpected to Putin? Because I mean, the the threat of sanctions was there long before he ever started this action, and he did it anyway, right? I mean, uh, how is, has this gone farther, or has he taken steps to sort of insulate himself? Do you think? Well, he's actually done both. So, the the first part of that piece is that some of the the gang that uh, that, that Putin keeps company with, uh, if, if himself over the last ten years, and also Kim Jong Un, they've been very very good at insulating themselves from sanctions. And for, to be honest, a lot of the international sanctions policy around the world, save for, for Cuba, I think there, there's a case where the sanctions really do put the hurt on the place. There's ways of avoidance, right, by starting up other networks. Even when Venezuela was being sanctioned, the first thing they did was start up a cryptocurrency to get yeah. around it. And I don't think Putin saw the international community and Western democracies being united on this as strongly as they are, because the risk, of course, is there's going to be financial ripples through our own uh, international uh, market and financial systems. So he miscalculated that for sure. But the other thing he's been doing since 2013 is insulating the Russian economy from dependency on the U.S. Uh, There used to be about $100 billion of U.S. debt treasury bills that were in Russian coffers. Well, now that's down to $2.5 billion. 
Russia used to do most of its trade with China in U.S. dollars, yeah. but now it's only a, a percentage of that. And with India, who Russia does a lot of military trading with, all of that is done between rupees and rubies. So it's uh, rupees, I should say. And it's going to be more expensive to do those transactions, but that means that there's still ways in which money can go in and out of Russia by avoiding the U.S. system and throw cryptocurrency into it, sure. and you're able to move money even faster. Okay. So, I mean, a lot of the sanctions, they sound like they're doing a lot of things. I think the couple of the, well, the one nuclear option they keep talking about is the SWIFT payment system, and it seems like we're getting closer and closer and closer to making that happen. Do you think mm-hmm. that would be damaging enough to have Putin sit back and say, okay, maybe I need to rethink what I'm doing? Yes, because SWIFT will be, uh, if they can coordinate that correctly, not just on Russia, but again, on the offshore capital. Right. Uh, we got to look to to British Virgin Islands specifically, and then to other other uh, holdouts where his assets are. If you block SWIFT in those countries, no money's getting in and out. But it also means other people's money aren't going to get in and out at the same time. That will really put pressure uh, amongst his top lieutenants. But with uh, Russia uh, right now, as with their own financial institutions, SWIFT will certainly hurt. It will destabilize the ruble but there will still be means to get currency in and out, and likely through China's equivalent of SWIFT, which I believe is called CIBS. And uh, that will still allow for some lifelines, but yep. the Russian economy is going to be in chaos. Uh, ultimately, to really put the boots to this, uh, the, the world communities think about, think about strategically. I mean, you can't run the Russian army uh, without fuel and yep. without, uh, without food. And and those two things are right now in short supply for the Russian army who's, who's in Ukraine. And likewise, if Putin's top staff suddenly lose their assets, that will, I don't think he can guard against that. And I think that's where the target needs to be. 36% I've heard of the Russian budget, all the money that they have comes every year from oil and gas that they sell to the West. Um, Mm -hmm. That has not been sanctioned. That seems to be almost a no-go zone. Obviously, that would have a devastating impact on Russia, but it would also Mm -hmm. really hurt the West, too. Is that something that could possibly um, be brought to bear at some point? Well, I think that's going to be exactly where the the Washington, for sure, but also the OPEC nations need to have a real serious chat about this. Uh, OPEC, if they were able to increase production, right, in countries uh, to, to... I guess replace the demand from Russian oil, that would offset the cost here. But if they don't do that, then yes, oil prices everywhere will go up. And once they go up, then everything goes up as well. So it's going to be a lot of international cooperation if we are going to try to strangle down Putin's ambitions through economic sanctions. Uh, Otherwise, this could be a conflict that will stew for for decades. Um, when you talk about oil and OPEC ramping up production, we know our premier keeps talking about how Alberta can fill this gap. I mean, but there's, we're talking about an immediacy here. Maybe long term, mm-hmm. there's something that Alberta could do. But in terms of today, increasing that supply, does Alberta fit into that equation? You know, it, 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 to, to certain markets, yes. I mean, to, uh, to the states, for sure. And to the pipelines that are available, yes. But here, where I'm in Nova Scotia, there's not a drop of Alberta oil here. Yeah. Uh, so the, the oil that we, we see pulling into to Halifax Harbor, a lot of that comes from the Caribbean. A lot of it comes from Western Africa. And uh, to a degree, some did come from Russia. So where, where we're going to replace that market with, that's the key. And so... You know, trying to get try try to get countries that are in OPEC and even potentially like Venezuela to play ball, 
that's going to be really, really hard. So I would expect we're going to see some financial uh, pain at the pumps uh, going forward, even though that uh, Alberta could do its share. It just, it won't be enough. It won't be enough. Yeah. And we're already seeing the pain at the pumps. I mean, we know what's happened with the price of oil and it's only uh, going to get worse by the sounds of it, at least in the short term. You got it. Uh, Thank you so much, Doc. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you, Shane. My pleasure indeed. Bye-bye.